The following message is a presentation from Grace Baptist Church in Kettering, Ohio. Ephesians chapter number 5 and verse number 14. I almost called an impromptu special, and then I thought, well, we all just um, pick some favorites. But I was, I was thinking about that, but we'll maybe we'll do that sometime. All right, Ephesians chapter number 5 and verse number 14, and this will be our text to, uh, to kind of set our tone for this evening. And then you've all received a handout, a guide, and I trust that that'll be a help to you. And, uh, and I know that this is some review. Uh, we dealt with this early 2019, but I'm aware of a statistic that people remember about 10% of what a preacher says. So I figure that, uh, that it might be uh, about time to bring it back. Now, uh, part of the reason I'm, I'm coming back to this subject tonight is because I've, I've had several people ask, and I've sent the older message to, uh, to those, uh, those folks. And so what I'm trying to do is try to bring other folks that haven't heard it before along with it and just remind us of some truths about uh, knowing how to discern the will of the Lord. So let's look here tonight, Ephesians chapter number 5 and verse number 14. of uh, being a worthy or walking worthy of the vocation wherewith we have been called. And so all the rest of Ephesians 4 going forward is practical steps of how to walk worthy of, of Jesus Christ, how to walk worthy or in balance with Jesus Christ. And so what we're dealing with here, he wants us to walk as children of light. That's the context. And he says in verse number 14, wherefore he saith, awake thou that sleepest, and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. He's going to give you illumination. He's going to give you the way forward. Now, he says, see then, with that in mind, see then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. Fools walk contrary to the truth that they know. Wise individuals take the truth that they know, and they put it into practice. So you and I are foolish when we disregard the precepts and the commands of God's word, and we walk according to our own, our own way. This is what I want to do, irregardless of what God said. We are wise when we say, this is what God's word says, I'm gonna put it into practice. Look at verse number 16. Redeeming the time because the days are evil. That's what we are to be doing, redeeming the time, buying it back because these are evil days. Do we all understand these are evil days? Yeah? Do you feel it? Do you feel it this week? I think some of you do. Verse 17, what should we do in these evil days? Wherefore, be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. Let's read that together. Wherefore, be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. Okay, and then he goes into a lot of other things about our personal walk. Be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess, wherein is the gateway to all debauchery, all sin, but be filled with the Spirit. So he, the first thing he tells us, if you're going to be discerning, if you're going to know what the will of the Lord is, there's going to have to be a relationship and attentiveness to the Holy Spirit. Then he gets into our worship and our speaking to one another. He gets into our thanks, our attitude, an attitude of gratitude. He gets into our submission and not being haughty over one another. He gets into our marriages and tells us how to deal there. In chapter 6, he gets into how we are to act as children, how we are to act as servants, and so on. He gets into all of that, and then he gets into the armor of God. So he says, I want you to be wise concerning the will of the Lord. I want you to be knowledgeable, understanding what the will of the Lord is. Every single one of us needs to know, I'm walking in the will of God right now. I hope you can say that, but if not, we can say that by God's grace, and we're going to ask God for help right now 
to guide us into his will. So let's pray together and would you bow with me. Father, thank you that you're not playing cat and mouse with us. You're not playing hard to catch with your will. You taught us even by vivid illustration this morning that, that if we will do your will that you've revealed to us right now, you'll continue to lead us along. You'll lead us into uh, your will and to even greater opportunities of accomplishing will. So we pray that tonight you would give us very practical steps, things that would really help us to understand this matter of discerning your will. May we not be guilty, Lord, of, of just saying it is your will without being assuredly uh, convinced in our heart that it is your will. May we not put words in your mouth. Uh, may we not do things that is against your will, but, but say it is your will. And so guide us, Lord. Help us to be discerning, to be understanding what the will of yourself is for us. And so we pray for your help this evening. In Jesus' name, amen. And you may be seated. Thank you for standing. Thank you for being here tonight. I want to say on the outset that this is something uh, Brother uh, Bud Stedman, who now uh, leads the Baptist World Mission, gave me years ago, and it struck a chord with me. I've shared it with many others, and when people come to me and say, hey, pastor, how do I know this is the will of God? I'm struggling with this thing. I oftentimes refer back to this illustration because it is so helpful. But I just got impressed this morning as we saw how that Paul was led along of the Holy Spirit and led along in doing the will of God. I just got impressed that maybe it was a time again to just highlight this because we're all going to be going into days or we are in days where we're having to make a lot of decisions. And is it the will of God? Uh, let me just say as a, as a matter of preface and of introduction, just because it is, uh, something is told to you does not necessarily mean it is the will of God for you. Sometimes I hear people kind of surrender. Well, that's just what culture is doing, so I must do it too. And let's be really careful about this. We need to be discerning believers. We're walking into days that I believe, and I don't know, maybe some of you would uh, uh, disagree with this just from a matter of experience, but I feel like we're walking into days where we are, we're, we're going into a little bit of uncharted territory in just kind of the temperature of our country and the temperature of our country towards the things of God. And so as we uh, as we engage a culture like that, there's going to be things that we have, to, um, we have to stop and say, is this the will of God? Do we just throw up our hands and surrender to it? Or is this the will of God? Is this something that I need to take a stand upon? And if you're going to get to a point where you're going to take a stand upon something, you better well know that it's the will of God. You agree with me on that? You better really be assured that it's the will of God. And God's not trying to play cat and mouse with us as I prayed. He, he wants us to know his will. And a lot of that comes from us doing the will that we do know and being in a position to receive his will. And we'll get through that today. Um, but Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 reminds us that we are to trust in the Lord with all of our heart. And we are not to lean to our own understandings. We are to acknowledge him in all of our ways and he will direct thy paths. Do you still believe that tonight? So he promises that direction in our paths. He promises to do that. The idea of trusting is to wholly rely upon the promises and the providence of God. He wants us to be completely resting upon him uh, in, a, in a blind sort of way. And listen, if there's ever a, a person that we can blindly trust, it's God. We can say whatever he says, it's going to be good. I don't know what's on the other side of the wall. I don't know what's on the other side of this step. But it's going to be good if God is telling me to do it. But you need to know that God's telling you to do it. Lean not. Don't lean to your carnal confidences. There's a lot of things that we can lean on. We can lean on our experience, can't we? We can lean on an old, the advice of an old trusted friend. 
You know, sometimes that doesn't always work out. We need to be careful about that. Hudson Taylor, as an older man, said it was harder for him to discern the will of God later in life than it was at the beginning of his life when he was a younger man. And he goes on to say, why? Because he had the tendency as a mature, experienced servant of God to trust his own life experiences rather than simply trusting God in his word. How many of you older believers would admit to that, would agree with him on that? Might be just a little bit easier to lean to my own understandings because I've been through this a time or two. I've trusted God through this matter a time or two. And the important thing is to always be going back to God and his word, to be acknowledging it as the Proverbs say, to acknowledge, to know, and God's will is an outgrowth of knowing God, to acknowledge God in all of our ways. One of the greatest things that we can do to know the will of God is knowing God. That's why it's so important that we're in the Word. That's why it's so important that we get the heart of God. Don't just read it for, don't just read it just to get some, you know, to be able to check it off or just to get some knowledge. Read it to know God. Read the Word of God to know God. What is it saying to you today? On, in my office, on my, my, on my glass board, I have written uh, Lamentations 3 and verse 26, and it reminds me that it is good, it is good that a man both wait uh, quietly, Hope and wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. Well, that's, that's helpful to me because it, it, it helps me to know that my God wants me to be in attendance upon him. He wants me to just be, be looking to him. That's the kind of God he is. That's the type of father he is to me. He wants me to be looking to him and just, just settle down in his presence. And it's good for me to do that. I know that about my God. It's been a help to me even this week. It's good for me. I've looked up at that verse and I'm realizing, you know, that's what my God is wanting for me. He wants me just to rest in him, just like a father wants a child to rest. It's all right. I'll take care of it. I got this. So this matter of trusting the Lord and, and discerning his will is something the Bible talks much of. The Bible gives many illustrations of it. So I'm not going to a passage of Scripture tonight. In one passage, we're going to go across Scripture, and we're going to learn some things tonight. And you have that guide there that I want you to write down on if, if, you, if you're taking notes tonight. It'll be helpful. It's a picture. It'll be helpful to you. And I want to first deal with the steps to guidance. What are the steps that we need to have in order in our lives to make sure that we are in a position to be ready to receive the will of God or to understand or discern the will of God. What are the steps that need to be in place? These are foundational steps. Without them, we'll not get to the place to, to be able to clearly view the will of God. So without these, we're not in a place to, to even receive it. And Paul demonstrated this many times, and we, we dealt with this a little bit this morning, about Paul was in a place. He was already active in the work of God. He was in a place to be ready to understand, to be attentive to the word of, uh, will of God. And so these are foundational steps. Step number one that we needs to be in place in our lives is we need to have a yielded spirit to the word of, unto the will of God. We need to have a yielded spirit to God, surrendering unconditionally as a living sacrifice to God. Now, we can't get away from this. All of Romans leads up to chapter number 12 when Paul says, I beseech you, therefore, by the mercies of God. Well, what's he beseeching? What's he begging us based on? Well, all the, the tedious outlay of our salvation and of all that God has given us in Christ. 
And so he lays all this doctrine out, and he gets finally to chapter number 12. He deals with Israel 9, uh, 9 through 11. He gets to chapter number 12, and he says, based on all that God has done for you, here's what I'm asking you to do. Based on this, I beseech you, I beg you, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And so it's an unconditional living sacrifice. We think about people that are martyred for the faith. But God wants you to live in a, in a way that's sacrificial for the faith. He wants you to be a living sacrifice tomorrow as you wake up and you, you spend time around your family. He wants you to be a living sacrifice unto God tomorrow as you go to work. Wherever you go, he wants you to be a living sacrifice. It was George Mueller who said, I seek at the beginning to get my heart in such a state that it has no will of its own in regard to this given matter. He says, when I'm trying to discern the will of God, I, I seek to get my heart in a state where I have no will of my own, that I'm a blank slate before God. He says, goes on to say, nine-tenths of the difficulties are overcome when our hearts are ready to do the Lord's will, whatever it may be. When we have come to the Lord and say, my hands are off, no matter what you tell me next, no matter what you show me in the service, no matter what you open to me in the word of God this morning, I am going to do your will. Are you at a point where you are a living sacrifice to the Lord? You're completely yielded to him. Friends, Jesus is seeking for believers to, upon which and with which to build his church. Just like that. Fully yielded individuals. Step number two is the confession. Oh, how we need to be uh, right with God every single day. Every single day, I have a hard time believing that we would get through a day without having to go to God and confess something. I have a hard time believing that the, the Holy Spirit of God would not convict our hearts in a day. I know He does mine. It can be a wrong thought. It can be a, 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 uh, a wrong attitude towards somebody. It can be an attitude towards God. It can be an issue that is overt. Or it can be an issue where we just omitted something that we are to do. A sin of commission or a sin of omission. A sin where we committed something and the Holy Spirit says no. Or a sin where we just didn't do what we ought to do and the Holy Spirit says you're wrong there. We confess our sins. He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. The greatest threat to you knowing the will of God or being able to discern the will of God is sin in your life. Like we talked about this morning, the grieving of the Holy Spirit. Friends, we can't go there. We can't stay there. We must, we must take care of that in the moment. If the Spirit is quenched tonight in your heart, take care of it. We just sang the song, Vessels for a Master's Use. God wants you to purge. He wants you to cleanse out your vessel. Be completely ready for him to serve you. And so Paul gives that illustration there of all these vessels in God's house and he's looking and searching for a person to use in his service, to use to be a vessel unto honor, to use to pour the life on the life-giving water, the living water of salvation into someone's life. And he's looking for a clean vessel with which to do that. Oh, how we need to be purged, how we need to be confessing every single day. Do you give God time? Is your prayer to God, search me, O God, and know my heart? Try me and see if there be any wicked way in me. Turn over to Jeremiah 17 and verse number 9 with me tonight. Jeremiah 17 and verse number 9. I'm struck as I've been reading through portions of the, uh, of the prophets, and especially the major prophets. I'm struck with the fact that 
the Israelites as God's people were just so blind to their sin. And I was reading in Ezekiel this, this past week, and I was struck by the fact that it seemed like over and over about every other word, God said, there are rebellious people, go preach to them, give them my word, there are rebellious people over and over, but yet they didn't see it. And why is that? You know, sometimes we can get into, our, in, into a, a, a rut in our lives where we are simply kind of turning a blind eye. Nothing to see here, nothing to see here. Nope, nothing's wrong here. Nope, I'm good with God. I'm not going to talk to him about it. I'm not going to ask the Holy Spirit to search my heart. I'm just going to, nothing's going on here, right? Rather than giving the Holy Spirit the opportunity to try our hearts so that we can be right with God. Friends, when was the last time you asked God to search your heart? Our hearts are wicked. They really are. They're a mess. The Bible says there in Jeremiah 17, verse number 9, let's read it out loud together. Are you all there? Say amen if you're there. Let's read together, ready and begin. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? All right, can you know your heart? It's not a trick question. Who can really know the heart? You know part of it, right? But can you know your heart completely? Not even like God knows it. That our heart is so deceitful that at times we're deceived by our own heart, by our own thinking process. Yes. Where we were going to be in the book of 2 Timothy, do you know what the Bible says? What Paul told Timothy, that he was to be communicating the word to people that opposed themselves, to believers that opposed themselves, if perchance God would grant them repentance and they would be turned back, they, they would be restored? Do you know that we can actually be at a point where we are actually living a Christian life following Jesus Christ, but actually be opposed to ourselves by our own action and our own thinking? Yeah, we can be in a place where our hearts have so deceived us and God answers his own question in verse number 10, Jeremiah 17. I, the Lord, search the heart. I try the reins, even to give man according to his ways and according to the fruit of his doings. I search the heart. We're very wise if we say, Lord, search me. If you want to know the will of God for this week, make sure that you're confessed that you are open with the Lord, that you're, you're giving God opportunity. God, know my heart. I was telling the deacons in a meeting ahead of time that it, it burdens me over the last week, and, and I've said it a couple times, but it burdens me because we're, we see people that, that will be going along, and they'll be going along really well, and then they topple. And it's almost like we, we say they fall into sin, but we don't fall into sin. We gradually step into sin as we allow as we allow the deceitfulness of the heart to trick us, as, we, as we're, we're not aware of that going on in our heart, and we, we take steps away from God, and I'm aware of the fact that, you know, we can be making decisions today, we can be allowing deception in our heart today that ends up taking us to a very open and, and, and visible fall four or five years from now, maybe less. Oh, we need to be giving God opportunity we need to be giving God opportunity to say this is wrong and this is wrong so that we can confess and forsake it and be purged, purged vessels before him. None of us go to the cupboard. None of us go into the kitchen and, and go to the dishwasher, the dirty dishwasher, and grab out a dirty vessel to drink out of. None of us do that. 
You know, if, 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 you know, sometimes, you know, we eat cereal and, you know, we'll rush out the door after breakfast. I don't go back home and find one of the used cereal bowls in the sink with some, you know, with a little bit of old almond milk in it. I don't, I don't go looking for that to eat a, you know, a midnight snack and I just don't do that, right? You don't either. We look for a clean vessel. God is looking for clean vessels and he wants to reveal his will. He's not trying to hold it back from you, but you, we, when we allow sin in our lives, we're not ready to do the will of God. We gotta be purged, friends. We gotta be purged. Step number three, this foundational step is to spend time speaking to God. Spend time speaking to God. The Bible tells us that we're to pray without ceasing. The Bible tells us that the final piece of the armor is to pray always with all prayer and supplication. The Bible tells us in James 1 and verse number 5, if any, man, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that give it to all men liberally and abradeth not, and it shall be given him. But let him ask in faith nothing wavering, for he that wavereth is like the wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. God is wanting us to come and pray. Now, sometimes we can say, oh, I prayed about it. I prayed about it. And that's like the trump card. This is right because I prayed about it. But sometimes I have to ask the question, when you prayed about it, did you stop and listen? Did you stop and listen to the word? Did you allow God to work in your heart? He says, let him ask. Let him ask and keep on asking. Seek God. Finding God's guidance in our lives, finding the knowledge of his will is not the result of praying only when you need direction. It is actually the outflow of having an ongoing vital relationship of dependent prayer. So what God is wanting us to do is be in an attitude of prayer all the time. We're in constant communication with headquarters. That's what the, uh, the armor is all about. Praying always with all prayer and uh, supplication. He says, have on the armor, but make sure you're talking to headquarters about it. Make sure you're talking with the commander about it. And as we come up to those challenges in our lives, as we come up against those problems in our lives, we'll have this communication established where we've already been talking. We are sensitive to the will and the direction of the Lord, oh, spend time speaking to God. But step number four, spend time studying his word. Let God speak to you. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Psalm 119 and verse 105. Be weary, be weary in this day of Christians who talk that there is something outside of the Bible that will give us, um, that gives us direction. Now, understand what I'm saying. There is, there is knowledge in the world. We understand that. But do you realize the Bible tells us that he has given us all things that pertain to what, friends? Is that true or is it not? Can we navigate the, our lives with this book? Completely. And the, the proof of us believing that is how much we lean on it and get into it. So this matter, this matter of, of getting into the Word on a daily basis you know, I, I, try to, I try to understand we're, we're all at different points in comprehension, in the way that we learn, in the way that, you know, how much we can take in at one time. But the important thing is, are we in the Word? And are we in the Word more than just, a, you know, the verse a day on the calendar desk, you know, on the, the desk calendar? You know what I'm talking about? Well, I got my one minute chicken soup for the day. You know what I'm talking about? 
where we just give God a token, a token nod. Friends, let's be more than that. Let's have a heart to get into the Word. Lord, I'm getting into the Word until you say something to me. Do you still believe that there, when you get into the Word, even if you read a chapter, three chapters, or 16 chapters, that at some point along that line, you ought to hear from God? Something ought to stick in the heart, ought to stick in the brain. You ought to be able to take that through the day and adjust your, your, your walk on, uh, in accordance with what God said to you. I believe that. We get in the Word of God, let Him speak to us. We're seeking him in prayer, but we're allowing him to speak and allowing him to direct our, uh, direct our minds and our hearts and allowing him. Now people say, trust your heart. I see the faces. That's dangerous. My heart isn't trustworthy. The word of God is. It is a lamp unto my feet and it is a light unto my path. John Gill said it this way, the whole scripture is light shining in a dark place a lamp or a torch to be carried in the hand of a believer while he passes through this dark world and is the present state uh, as is and, and is in the present state of imperfection in which he sees things but darkly this is the standard of faith and practice by the light of this lamp the way of truth and godliness in which a man should walk is pointed out and by means of it, he may see and shun the stumbling blocks in his way and escape falling into pits and ditches. Yes, the word of God is our light. Yes, it's a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. Oh, how we need it. We need the illumination. Open thou mine eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of thy law. Open my eyes, illumine, illumine me, give me light, give me illumination. So we get into this word, step number four, we get into his word, allow him to speak to us. And then number five, here's where we might get ahead of God sometimes. Wait, wait. Lamentations 3.26 is verse that's been on my heart this week. It is good that a man should both hope and wait, quietly wait for the salvation of the Lord. Wait. Now, when God speaks of waiting, uh, he doesn't, it's not the idea of sitting back and, uh, you know, popping bonbons and, you know, catching whatever's, you know, available. It's not this idea of just, just waiting. It's an active waiting. It's, a, it's an active dependence on him. It's a resting in him. Okay, I've given this to the Lord. I've talked to him about this. Now I'm going to wait for his answer. You know, sometimes God might not give us an answer right away. But yet, in our own haste, we get going. We got, I got to have this answer right now. Something someone told me years ago that, uh, that Satan is the one that pressures us into a decision. You get in a point where you feel like your back is up against the wall and you got to make a decision right now. And you can't even say, I'm going to think on that. I'm going to pray. Give me overnight on that. It's probably a dangerous decision. Uh, that's, that's a broad brush, and I understand that. But just, just be aware of that, that exceeding pressure. i got to make a decision right now. And learn the importance of saying, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just hold off. I'm going to sleep on that. I'm going to think on that overnight. Isaiah 26 and verse number 16, as God was promising the, the Messiah, Therefore thus saith the Lord God, Behold, I lay in Zion a, uh, for a foundation, a stone, a tried stone, a precious cornerstone, a sure foundation. He that believeth shall not make haste. Now think about this. God is saying, 
the, the true Messiah is, is coming. He is coming someday. He's going to come from Zion. He's going to be laid in Zion. He is coming someday. So think about that. Isaiah is proclaiming that the promise, the promise that the Lord will send a Savior. This promise was to Israel. Now the challenge of the, the people of God was not to be hasty and get ahead of God. Not to be hasty and accept a Messiah that was not the true Messiah. Not to get ahead of God. Now think about this. Romans 10 and verse number 11 is a quotation from Isaiah 26 and verse number 16. And it says this. For the scripture saith, Whosoever believeth on him, this stone, this promised Messiah, shall not be ashamed. In the Old Testament in Isaiah 20, uh, 26 and verse 18, it says, shall not, uh, shall not make haste. But over here it says, shall not be ashamed. What's the connection? When we make haste. Oftentimes we find shame. When we get ahead of God, oftentimes we, we find shame. And the truth is, as God guides us, he has a specific plan for us, a specific will for us. And here's what we do. We do, do one of two things. We either run ahead of God or we lag behind. What God wants us to do is wait. I'm reminded, one of my favorite books in the Bible and has been since uh, I was required to do a paper on one of the minor prophets in Habakkuk. I don't know why it's captured my thinking, but Habakkuk is an amazing book. He prays a couple of prayers. He's alarmed by all the injustice that's going on in Israel. Comes to God, why are you letting this go on? God says, I'm going to bring in a heathen nation. They're gonna, they're gonna, he's going to bring uh, judgment upon Israel. Habakkuk is thrown by this, Lord, why would you bring a heathen nation who's more wicked than your own people to judge them? God says, I'm going to work a work in your days. You're not even going to understand even if it, was, if it was told to you. I got this. Then he prayed another prayer. And the Bible says, as you open up Habakkuk chapter number three in verse number one, Habakkuk says this, I'm going to wait upon my watch. I'm going to wait upon my watch. What is Habakkuk saying? All right, I'm going to stay at my post and wait upon the Lord. I'm going to trust. I'm going to just rest in the Lord. I've given this to the Lord. I don't understand anything. And you know what? Out of that decision, Habakkuk sings one of the most amazing uh, praise songs to God. Literally, the book ends with a song of praise to God. God, if everything falls apart, I'm going to still trust you. That's, that's the idea of how the book ends. And we go from tragedy to absolute triumph. There's this victorious spirit. Why? Because he comes to God. He prays. He hears from God. He hears his word. And then he says, all right, God, I'm just going to wait. I'm just going to take time. I'm going to trust in what you're doing. I'm going to trust your hand, even though I don't understand. And so he just waits there. Maybe you're at a season like that. And could I encourage you? Keep waiting on the Lord. Don't get ahead of God. Don't lag behind. But don't, don't get ahead of God either. Wait on him. Wait for the, um, the order. Wait for his will to become clear uh, to you. Actively wait. Continue to do what you were called to do right now. Be faithful to the Lord. Witness everywhere you go. Be faithful to your family. Be faithful to your spouse. So the foundational steps are important. They lead us to that point where if we have those in order, we can begin discerning the will of God. Now think about this. How do you spot the guidance? How do you spot the will of God? How do you see it? I'm not very good with a telescope. Jack and I, Jack has one. He bought one off of Facebook. 
uh, marketplace. And we picked that thing up and we thought, boy, this is going to be really easy. I, I can't find anything inside of that thing. We've, we've switched over. Sheila found this app that allows you to use your smartphone and move it around the sky and find the, find the, uh, the different stars and the constellations that way. So it just brings it up on your screen. You can be sitting in your bed and going like this. All right, where's that? And then you can see the space station flying by or whatever. It's, it's really a pretty uh, cool little app. But I'm not really good with this telescope thing. You get out there and you're, you're like, you know, I can't see, I can't spot anything. And then someone told us you need to leave it out there and get it acclimated and all these things. I don't know. Not really good with the telescope, so that's been, a, that's been a little bit of a frustration. But, you know, it's important. You know, you gotta get, you got to get all those lenses in order. You've got to get it, uh, get it uh, set right, adjusted right, in order to be able to see something. It is the same way with God's will. This matter of being able to spot what we're going to say next are practical things from God's Word, lenses, if you will, to the telescope of discerning the will of God. They all work in tandem together. You might think, well, this one has to be here and this one has to be here. No, they all work in tandem together. You remove one, you remove one, and the will of God becomes blurry. All of them are listed out in God's Word. And so, let's think about this. Let's look at these, these lenses that God has given us. First of all, and understandably, it's the Word of God. Now, the, the Word of God gives us Pro, um, proactive things or he, he pronounces things to us or prohibitions to us. He says, I don't want you to do this. And he also gives us some commands, some, some straightforward commands. And so he gives us a lot in the word of God. Think about the prohibitions in the word of God. He says, 2 Corinthians 6 and verse number 14, be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? And what communion hath light with, with darkness? So here's what God's saying. I want you to be separate. Yes, we often apply this to marriage, and that's a great application. He does not want us to be unequally yoked together with an unbeliever. He doesn't want a, 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 a saved person to marry an unbeliever. And so he says, I don't want you to be unequally yoked. But he also, this applies to so many different places in our lives. And so he helps us to understand, I, I want you to be separate as believers. I want you to go along with those that are in agreement of, with the truth. And so as we think about that, that's God's heart. That's a prohibition he gives to us. Be ye not unequally yoked. There's prohibition. There's negative, uh, negative commands. But think about the positive ones. He says in Psalm 119, in verse 168, I have kept thy precepts and thy testimonies for all my ways are before thee. And so there are commands that he's given to us. I want you to do this. These are commands. I want, these are clear commands I want you to be following. And think about this. There are so many details of scripture that give us clear direction as to what God wants us to do. We talked about this a little bit this morning. But the disciples, the early church was told, you're my witnesses. Take the gospel from Jerusalem to the uttermost parts of the earth. That was, that was what he said. Jerusalem got a little bit uh, bottled up there in Jerusalem. Things were growing, going along great. What does God do? He brings along persecution, Acts uh, chapter, uh, chapter 8. He brings that along, and he, he sends them out, but he had given them direction. He is truth is what directs us. God's word is what directs us, and so we look to it, not for proof text. I, you see people coming along, well, you know, if I can just lift this verse, this, this is what God wants us to do. Be very careful. We must take it in context, should we not? You in agreement with that? Oh, how we need to read the context. 
And uh, you know, false teachers are really good about taking verses and resting them out of, out of context. But God's word, without forcing the interpretation, without disregarding the significance of the passage, gives us directives. Directives for how we are to shape and uh, follow him in our lives. The light of biblical guidance is not so much a flash of one isolated verse as it is a blaze which seems to shine from the word in the course of a believer's daily devotion and other biblical instruction. It's interesting, even as Brother Cliff mentioned tonight. You know, it's how God just moves us along. You come to church and you're like, well, that's kind of interesting that God had that message being preached. You ever wonder about that? That's kind of interesting. What is that? It's God trying to direct us along. Let's let him do it. Let's say yes to God. Acts 16, as we were in this morning, the ministry team was going forward at the command of Christ. Yes, they were in Lystra because God had commanded them to teach them all things whatsoever he commanded them. Matthew 28 and verse number 19. And so Paul says, I'm going to go back up there. We're going to disciple the believers. We're going to establish them. And so they're doing what God had said. And after they were done with that, they said, well, God told us to go to the uttermost parts of the earth. So we're going to go up to Phrygia and, and Galatia. And we're going to go over to Asia. And God says, no, I don't want you to go there. We'll get to that in a moment. But God guides them by the word. They were going forward on the command of God. So lens number one is the word of God. Lens number two is the counsel of mature believers. Take heed. Take heed. Why is it that God gave us one another? You know, the Bible says in Ecclesiastes that a twofold cord is not quickly broken. Two are better than one. We heard this from the teenagers. Uh, Two is better, or uh, three is better than two, and so on, right? The word of God is given to us to guide us, but oh, how helpful it is to have other believers who are walking with the Lord to come alongside and say, hey, let me pray with you about that. Oh, how helpful it is when believers are following Hebrews 10 and verse 24 and considering one another to provoke unto love and to good works to help along. What a blessing it is to say, hey, I've been thinking about this situation and you know, this is what I've been thinking. This is what God seems to be saying to me. What, what do you think? I have confidence in the fact that you're walking with God. What do you think about this? Can I bounce it off of you? Oh, that's very helpful. The Bible says in Hebrews 13, verse number 7, Remember them which have the rule over you, who have spoken unto you the word of God, whose faith follow. Whose faith follow. Why? Considering the end or the goal of their conversation, Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forever. Obey them which have the rule over you and submit yourselves, for they watch for your souls as they that must give an account, that they may do it with joy and not with grief, for that is unprofitable unto you. And so specifically, talking about the ministry of the pastor, God says, listen, listen, uh, allow them to pray with you, allow them to go along. I, uh, I, I don't think he would mind me, uh, mind me sharing this illustration. He's not here, and so maybe he'll watch sometime. But um, Brother Randall Gillespie, I remember before God moved them down to, uh, down to Texas, they were, they were thinking they were traveling like some 45 minutes along to come down here to church. And uh, God seemed to be moving their heart. They had a desire. They were, they were a little bit frustrated with the fact, you know, I, we can't invite our neighbors down to church. It's a long way away. And so uh, he, he, uh, he asked me to, 
asked me to coffee one day, and, and so we got down, and he says, Pastor, I just feel like God might be moving in my heart, and we might need to move to a church a little bit up on closer to where we are. And I looked at him and said, I'll pray with you about that. And he goes, you mean you're not going to tell me to leave now? And I said, no, I'm not going to tell you to leave now. And uh, in, in all honesty, the Lord had also kind of burdened my heart. I was, you know, I was a little burdened about him having to travel all that way. And, and so we prayed about that. And you know what? God never actually moved him uh, until he moved him down to Texas. I guess he did move him a real long way. But, uh, but nonetheless, you know what? I appreciated Brother Randall coming in and saying, you know what? Could, could you pray with me about this? This wasn't something that he said, you know, I'm just going to not show up one day. It was, it was, hey, pastor, could you pray with me about this? It wasn't that he was trying to hide it in any way. And I, boy, what a blessing that was to, to enter into that together and say, you know what? What's the Lord trying to do in your lives? Let's seek it together. Praise the Lord. The Bible says in Proverbs 11 and verse number 14, where no counsel is, the people fall. But in the multitude of counselors, there is safety. Do you believe that tonight? Oh, yes, there's safety in the multitude of counselors godly counselors. I remember when God called me to preach at the age of 17, I had in my heart some area, you know, some place that I wanted to go to school, and uh, some of it was for carnal reasons, and so I had this in my heart, this is where I was going to go. And I, I've told you this story before, but I, I can remember where my pastor was standing and where I was standing when he looked at me and says, I think you need to go to such and such a school. And it was one of those situations where I looked at him and I thought, you know what? I think God's using my pastor to give me some direction here. You know, I went to that school. Much because my pastor thought it was the right thing to do. And I remember that, that day, there, there was a little war between me and God on that, but I, I could see it. God was saying something to me through my pastor. And there is a, there is a distinct lesson in learning to listen to the godly counsel in, in your life and in our lives as we seek the will of the Lord. What's going on here in Acts 16 as we look this morning, we noted that Luke joined the team in verse number 10, likely because of the, the change in the pronouns, but I want us to think about something else there. There was also, after Paul had heard that from the Lord in that vision, you notice that also there was a, there was an, there was a, collect, there was a collective getting together about what God was doing. And if you'll notice there, in fact, turn back to Acts chapter number 16, because I think it would be helpful for us to notice. Acts chapter 16, verse number 10. Acts 16, and verse number 10. If you'll notice here, it says, after he, Paul, had seen the vision, immediately we endeavored to go into Macedonia, assuredly gathering that the Lord had called who? Us. And it seems that there was a gathering together there. There was a, well, Paul, this is what you've, you said God's doing. Uh, Luke says, Paul, I think that that's right. Timothy goes, well, I'm kind of new here, but it seems right to me too. It seems like that would be what the Lord's saying. He's He's told us not to go here. He's told us not to go there. It seems like this must be the Lord clearly directing us. And so they followed through in that way. There was counsel with one another. And it wasn't just a counseling of peers, right? Uh, Luke, Luke was a, a seasoned older man that God was using to pen the book of Acts. There was a counseling there of godly brethren. And so there's importance to listen to one, uh, one another, the counsel of mature believers 
and it's important. You know, you consider a college freshman, someone in Christian college, and he wants to drop out and get married, right? And so he wants it, he wants it, and boy, this is important, I I need to drop out. So he goes to someone else for wise counsel, another college freshman who wants to drop out and get married, right? You know, that's what we tend to do sometimes. When we really want something, we look for someone to sanction what we've already decided. One of the greatest burdens to me as a pastor is when someone comes and wants me to sanction what they've already decided. Are you okay with this? What do I say now? You've already made the decision. And I've literally looked at some people and said, it kind of seems like the decision's already made. We need that godly counsel. That's a part of this lens, God's word, but that godly counsel if we're going to clarify God's will in our life. We ought not be afraid of that. If we're hiding the decision that we're making from other godly people, we're probably not making the right decision. Are you with me on that? When people begin to distance because of a decision they've made, it's probably not the right decision. Now think about this, the third We see this throughout the book of Acts. We see this in multiple different places, but the providential circumstances, let God develop it. Let God develop it. Let God do his work. Allow God's space to work. Genesis 24 and verse 27, blessed be the Lord God of my master Abraham, who hath not left destitute my master of his mercy and of his truth. Now notice, do you remember this? I being in the way, You remember that? I being in the way, the Lord Jehovah led me to the house of my master's brethren. So here is this man, the servant of Abraham, out on a search for a wife for Isaac. And he's praising God because as he was in the way, as he was doing the will of his master, I being in the way, the Lord led me. The providential circumstances. What is this? This is I'm taking the step I know to take, and as I'm taking the steps that God has already revealed, God continues to open up more steps. He continues to providentially put it in place. Sometimes we're like this. I don't see how that'll work, and so we never take the first step. I don't see how God's going to do that. I don't see how God's going to provide for that. Maybe God wants us to take the step. Friends, we can get that way as a church. We can be collective in that, 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 that circumstance where we're not willing to step out and just trust that God is going to work and put together the things and uh, God is going to put it all together in his time and in his way as we express faith. Uh, Revelations 3 and verse 8, I know thy works. Behold, I have set before thee an open door and no man can shut it for thou hast little strength and hast kept the word of my patience and hast not denied my name. God's saying, I have an open door. Step through it. Expect me to open up and make the possibility and to turn it on the, the what is a potential into a reality providence literally when you break down the word pro meaning before video providence video what is seen god sees before is the idea god sees before and directs our paths opening and closing doors of opportunity opening and closing doors of opportunity god sees it all and I've, I've thought of it like this before. When you, uh, when you get up on, uh, off the ground in an airplane or a helicopter, you can, see the, you can see what's going on. They get up above in a news chopper. They can see where the, where the roadblock is, what, what's, what's stopping traffic. They can see all that. 
And they can say uh, on the radio, they can say, uh, it would be wise for you to get off at this exit so you don't get in this mess. And here's the God above our lives. He sees it all and he looks down and he says, it would be wise for you to take this path. This is going to lead to my will. If you'll take this, you'll find blessing. You'll find fulfillment. You'll find me working in your life. If you go this way, you're going to get into a jam. And we say, well, I want to go this way. No, we need to trust the providential guidance of God, the circumstances that guide us along the way. That's exactly what happened in Acts chapter 16. There's a closed door over in Asia. There's a closed door in Bithynia. And God says, I don't want you to go there. So they just kept on trucking to, to Mysia and down to Troas. And then God gives uh, some more information. And he says, listen, I want you to go over to Macedonia. I'm, uh, I'm confirming this in your heart. Go over there. They get over there. And what do they find? They find this woman who was from Asia, this woman who was a businesswoman, had some, had some connections. And I just wonder how much the gospel spread, how much God used even Lydia to accomplish his purposes as Paul was, uh, was faithful to follow the promptings and allow God to develop the situation. Dr. D. G. Uh, G. Campbell Morgan said we miss the point in Acts 16 if we fail to see how God uses everyday circumstances to direct the paths of his people. That's why I think the Lord just have us stop and consider this matter of his leading today. God is leading people right here in this church. Are we listening? Are we in the place? Are we prepared? Now, let's think about this. Satan can also open doors. Satan can also open doors. This is where especially newer believers will get off track. And we need to be, as, as those that are mature in the faith, need to be ready to help believers, a newer believer see this. But think about this. Even in our own lives, we can, get, we can go through an open door that Satan puts in there. You know what? How we know when God is opening a door versus Satan opening a door? When God is opening a door, the lenses of our telescope, if you will, God's word, godly counsel, the providential circumstances, and then in a moment, the Holy Spirit, they'll all line up. They'll all line up. They'll all be together in an agreement. They're not going to be in disagreement with each other. God's word, God's word is never going to contradict itself. He's never going to lead us or open a door through which if we walk, we will be disobeying his word. Never. And so we must be very careful very careful to discern, is this a door that God is opening up or is this a door that when I walk down it, I'll be getting myself in a mess. All the way through the book of Proverbs, you have the, 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 the woman who is portrayed as wisdom and the strange woman. And there's all these side streets for us in our lives to get off and to follow after our own lust. All these side streets that if we get off, we're going to mess up our lives. We're going to be as those that are on taking steps down to hell. And so all those opportunities, all those decisions, God says, keep following after wisdom. Keep doing the right thing. Keep following after mine. I will never open up an opportunity to you that causes you to violate the principles of my word. Never. Never. You know, this pertains in the jobs that we take, the people that we marry. God will never violate, ask you to violate his word. Never. So that leads us to lens number four. And I say last but not least, because I think we learned this morning the importance of the Holy Spirit. Let him lead. 
for as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God, Romans 8, 14. Acts 11, verse number 12, and the Spirit bade me to go with them, Peter talking, nothing doubting. Moreover, these six brethren accompanied me, and we went into the man's house. He's giving report of what happened when he went up to Cornelius' house. This was outside of their comfort zone. This was against what he would typically do as a Jewish individual. But why did he do it? Because God led him there. There are going to be things that God leads us to do in this age that will be against all the world tells us and all of culture but you better be in tune with the Holy Spirit. We must be giving attention to the Holy Spirit because he's going to lead us some places where we might just have to say, I went there because God told me to. I took that stand because God told me to. The Holy Spirit is there to guide us, to show us the way, to, to walk with us in the way. If you've ever been over to Costco, you realize that they change the store every single week to keep you inside of the store longer. That's not a joke. Oh, they do that. I'm telling you, that, that place is like a black hole when it, comes to, when it comes to time. You can go in there and you'll be looking for one thing. Where did they move that crazy thing? Weren't the chips all right there? No, no, they don't, they, they don't do that. You know, if you ask a Costco employee, sometimes they don't even know. Because they move it around so much. But once in a while... They'll tell you, you go up this way and turn down this aisle, and right in front of here, it's there. I was over in West Virginia, and my pastor friend, he was trying to give me directions over to his house, and he started giving me directions like a West Virginian. You know, come to this tree, right? Turn at this road, go down the hollow, the holler. Did I get that right? The holler. And right after you get out of the holler, Take a heart, you know, you know what I'm talking about. And I say, I'm just going to put it in my GPS. You know, it's much better when a store employee will walk you to the item, right? They'll guide you along the way. It's much better just to put it inside the GPS. I know, I know if you, you're, you know, when we got married, we didn't have a GPS. It, it amazes me how far that we, uh, the things have advanced in, in the last, in the last uh, while, but you know, we didn't have that, so you had to rely on some of those directions. But it's much better to be able to just put it inside the GPS and say, it's going to tell me where to go most of the time. You know, the Holy Spirit is similar to that. He's always with us. He walks with us to what he wants us to do. And we need to rest on that, friends. I need to rest on that every day. We need to stop being so agitated and frustrated. The Holy Spirit's there. If we will... Follow his word. Listen to godly counsel. Allow God to develop the situation and follow the leading, be attentive to the Holy Spirit of God. We'll get where he wants us to be. Every time. Every time. Now there's some negative restraint. He told Paul, don't go there. Don't go there. There's some positive. Go to Macedonia. We assuredly gathered that the Lord had called us. That assuredly gathering is one word. It, it has the idea we're knit together. We are put together in one's mind. It, was, it all came together. We saw it very clearly. This is what God wanted us to do. What did Paul and the rest of the team do? They put all this together. They put the Holy Spirit, the circumstances, the call, the knowledge of God's, uh, God himself, the knowledge of his word, the counsel of other men. They put it all together and they assuredly gathered. This is what God wants us to do. And God brought them into Europe, where he continued to advance his word 
in the world, and we must do the same. Sometimes we talk about peace. I have peace about this. You know that we can have peace about something that's wrong? We have to be careful about that. A fool has peace as he goes through his folly. You know, once in a while, I'll ask people, and it's not, it's not the right question to always ask, uh, start off with. I, I made the mistake the other day, and I realized about as it was coming out. Uh, are you at peace? Well, yes. I thought, no, God already told me that the wicked don't have peace, so this guy just lied to me. But this matter of peace in our own lives, uh, the idea that Paul is giving, or what the Holy Spirit pins for us in Paul's decision-making is that they, they had assuredly come to assurance. They had assuredly gathered. They had come to confidence on something, not just based on their own whims, their own desires. There was a lot that went into that decision that brought them to that point. And to have assurance is to have confidence in the knowledge of God's direction in our lives. Before we take a step, do you have assurance that this is what God wants you to do. All right, back to Ephesians chapter 5 and verse number 17. Paul's heart for the Ephesian believers was this. We live in evil days. We need to redeem the time. We need to redeem the time. I don't know if we have the rest of this week. You don't either. I'm just reading on the, hearing on the news about Afghanistan and about all the things that are going on over there. You think about how fast our world is just changing, all these different things. Friends, what you and I need more than anything else is to be exactly what Paul told the Ephesian believers, be not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. Don't be unwise. Be understanding what the will of the Lord is. I believe with this, as it's been a help to me, I know that it's been a help to some of you because I've given it to you, I hope tonight all of us can just be reminded of, these, of this simple illustration that we can just kind of filter, filter our thinking through, really try to apply biblical discernment to discovering the will of the Lord. Let's read verse 17 once again together. Would you stand with me? Verse number 17, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 17, ready and begin. Wherefore, be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. May God help us. Let's pray. Father, we thank you tonight for your word. We thank you for all that you've given us. And we ask that you would help us to not be unwise. You don't want us to walk in foolishness. Oh God, would you help us to be understanding, discerning of your will. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening today. For more information about Grace Baptist Church, please visit our website at gracebaptistofkettering.org. And remember, you are always welcome at Grace Baptist Church.